0: Was drifting off to sleep and it seemed like, you know, you can feel yourself drift, and all of a sudden it's just like bam, this vortex starts sucking me down. And I couldn't control it. But I, you know, this this wasn't a dream. This was in fact happening. Just I was in this black, weightless atmosphere. Hmm. And it was absolutely terrifying. You know, I, I didn't know exactly. What was going on at first was, it was like the suffocating pressure where you can't talk. I couldn't pray. It, the, the darkness is alive, um, it penetrates you, you can't, so. you can't talk, it's like you you can't, you can't suck in. It was like I was in this weightless merry-go-round, right? I was just going in circles. kind of sense that there were other people there or something, but you can't see them, you can't talk to them. You are totally separated from God, separated from God.
1: Welcome to Touching the Afterlife. I'm Julie, and today I have with me, Steve. Steve is a veteran who served in Desert Storm, and he had an experience where he was pulled through the outer darkness of hell. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story.
0: Yep, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so Steve, first I just wanna say, uh, happy belated Veterans Day.
0: Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Can you start with maybe a little bit of background as, uh with your adolescence and maybe where you were at spiritually before this supernatural experience occurred? Um.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I had a normal childhood. Uh, both my parents were in the home. I'm the youngest of four. My mom was pretty much the first person in uh, her family to be saved, spirit-filled, baptized, all that kind of thing. So, uh, she always had us in church. Um, in fact, I went to Christian schools for the first part of my life. So, um, you know, that spiritual foundation has always been there. Uh, I went through at, at 13, I went through what's called catechism at our, our church. Um, you know, catechism, but we weren't Catholic. Um, we were non-denominational. And so, but that's what they called the program. So at 13, at that particular church, you went through a nine month uh, like dedication and at the end of it you were confirmed baptized and spirit filled so um you know that includes speaking in tongues at that age so uh yeah my childhood was normal i mean if you saw pictures uh of my family um you know you was like around the holiday you would see christmas gifts under the tree and all that kind of stuff um so in terms of that i mean pretty normal i mean my parents were divorced when i was 12. so Mm -hmm. but even you know, we only moved a couple blocks away from from you know where my dad was, so he was. He's always been in my life, and in fact, they're, both my parents are. So I'm still blessed to say they are still alive in their eighties. So, um, yeah, no, you know, no, no childhood trauma, nothing like that that I can remember, at least. Um, you know, so I think, like a lot of Christians, um, you know, you you tend to think as long as you're in church, or uh, every Sunday. <laughs> and you know, maybe pray a little bit here and there that you're fine. So, uh, I, I would I would think that yeah, maybe I, I was back. I was definitely living a backslidden life, probably by the age of 17. So, okay.
1: And then, did and you join the Navy shortly after?
0: Right. So right after high school, I joined the Navy at 18 um had my own apartment had a decent job company car I was doing I was doing relatively well for a young man um but I think part of the issue again was that I was raised I think to I, I won't say I was raised to think but in my mind as long as I'm I'm baptized I I, I go to church you know here and there sporadically I'm okay mm. never thought in a million years that I would have an experience like the one that I would have um so at that time, alcohol was a big part of my life. Um, definitely the bar scene, the party scene, chasing women, that kind of thing was, you know, that that's pretty much where I was at, like when I wasn't at work or taking care of my business. Mm-hmm. That's up to. Um uh, so yeah, one night I was watching uh a V uh a VHS, I think it was, um, or it could have been a DV- DVD, I'm not completely sure. Just a regular movie I had rented, don't remember what. And you know, like I told you yesterday, it, I was drifting off to sleep. And it seemed like, you know, you can feel yourself drift, and all of a sudden it's just like bam, this vortex starts sucking me down. Um, and I couldn't control it. It, it was like, but I, you know, this this wasn't a dream. This was in fact happening. Um and when 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 I got to wherever it was I was at, I was just I was in this black weightless atmosphere Hmm. and it was absolutely terrifying um you know i i didn't know exactly what was going on at first and so as a believer you're always taught to pray um, when you're in trouble and that's what i tried to do but it was like i couldn't pray and people have you know over the years have asked me well what what do you mean by you know you couldn't pray it was it was like this suffocating pressure where you can't talk i couldn't pray all i could do essentially was think of god um if that makes sense it was like my, my cognitive ability to pray was not functional anymore i had lost that ability to pray
1: wow did it almost feel like you were paralyzed
0: yes yes mm-hmm. i definitely was paralyzed um the, the darkness is alive Um, It penetrates you, so when people say, you know, like in my video, you may hear people say, well, I'm claustrophobic, and you might wonder, well, what does that feel like? Well, this is, this is like what that feels like on steroids. You can't, you can't talk. It's like you're, you can't, you can't suck in air. It's suffocating, you know, it's just, um, it is a terrifying place. And for me, I noticed um, it it was like I was in this weightless merry-go-round, right? I was just going in circles and i could i could kind of sense that there were other people there or something but you can't see them you can't talk to them and at that time i didn't know if they were souls uh you know they probably were you are totally separated from god and people how how do you know that well if you if you've been there then earth would feel like heaven to you um Mm -hmm. and that god the presence of god is omnipresent it's omnipotent when human beings are doing the worst things in the world committing murder uh crimes, you name it. Um the believe it or not, the presence of God exists in the spaces with human beings. He's he's his spirit envelops this entire earth, even in your sin. So, all right,
1: And it's very it was very tangible to you uh, in all your senses, it sounds like that you could not feel one ounce of his presence, right? Correct. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he was definitely um not there. And you can't control your your members like you you know, I felt like I, I had my arms and legs, um, but I couldn't move them or anything. It's like you're you're in a you know you're tied up or something, and your mouth is gagged. Um, it's, you know, in, in the in the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew twenty two and thirteen, you know, it says the king said to the servants, "Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." And that's what that is. That's what that scripture is referring to.
1: Hmm. Wow, Steve. So you said you start it felt like you were weightless and you started to go almost like a vortex or you were going down. And you you said you felt like there was people there? Did you hear them? Did you see people?
0: No, no, it's just you, you kind of sense that you're, you know, you're there's other like, other people around this, this floating, you know, this floating at black atmosphere. And consequently, right in the the middle of this thing way at the bottom there was this orange hue this light that you could see it was very faint and it was like i became aware that you know that was the center of hell like that was the part where all the activity was taking place and although where i was it was dreadful and terrifying that that part of hell is worse and so it, it makes it more terrifying because if you're in a weightless atmosphere you you realize that the bottom could drop out on you at any moment and that's where you could end up um so yeah that's
1: so you're describing that part that's called the outer darkness and i know that you had told me a little bit about mary baxter can you kind of share with us uh how your story resembled hers in that outer darkness
0: right right so mary k baxter um Wrote a book, Divine Revelation of Hell, some years, I believe it was in the mid-90s. And my mom had all of those books. She wrote several other ones. I, I had read that book um, years prior. And it it didn't dawn on me that this was the place that she described. And in the book, the excerpt, she was having a conversation with, with Jesus, because Jesus, in her uh, you know, her retelling of her experience, she says that Jesus basically showed her hell like for over a period of nights and uh she said that uh she she asked jesus about outer darkness and he he said that all you know his servants were there and these are people that turned their back on him and went back out into the world people that were saved and, um walked away from the saving grace of god essentially you know there's scriptures in the bible several um about outer outer darkness that kind of speak to that end. Uh, Twenty-five and thirty, it says, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, so what is an unprofitable servant? Uh, Matthew eight twelve. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this seems like a place that's not as quite as bad. That maybe is reserved for those that knew God and walked away by, you know, by all accounts, maybe. I'm not completely sure if that's the only, uh, you know, use, purpose use for this place, but it definitely exists. Mm.
1: And so when you were there, did it feel like Steve, that you were staying there? Did you feel like, why am I here? What I, was kind of I, going through your mind?
0: Right. It's funny you mentioned that because I've watched some NDEs where people say, well, they, they knew they were there because of their sins. Right. And as a believer, I was shocked. I I felt like I shouldn't have been there. <laughs> like, why am I here? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I felt, I didn't feel like, I'm, I'm wondering what in the world is going, why am I here? You know? Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, definitely. I, it didn't, it didn't feel fair to me. Total confusion, uh, dread, um, terror. um, And <laughs> that's probably not being generous enough. I mean, you know, words can't really describe the feelings that, a person has that has visited this place. Uh it, it it's unreal. I can't really put it into words, but I can tell you that the presence um of God did not exist there. And so that that alone um it terrifies you. I, I had nothing, I had no higher power to pray to I was literally on and I, you know, at, at a certain point I realized that maybe um this was it for me. It was like I reached the point of uh, my final destination.
1: Mm. Yeah, I was just going to ask about, did it feel like forever? Because I know people, time doesn't really play a factor in this. What was the time feeling like if there was a feeling of time?
0: It was it was brief, but it was long enough to wake uh to sort of wake me up, you know. At yeah. that, uh, but after that experience, um, you know, I did come out of it. It was like I woke up, but I didn't have a stretch and a yawn. It was like a am sweating profusely. Uh, I'm uh, My heart is racing. I'm nervous. And although I think I know what, what I experienced, I'm not completely sure. And it was like at that moment, Julie, I heard the Lord say, I've just shown you a part of hell. And when I tell you I was inconsolable, I called my mom and woke her up. And wow, and she prayed for me.
1: Mm. You're not the first person that said they called their mom. <laughs> I called the
0: first person yeah. I knew would give mm. me some.
1: On and that so, note, did it take a while to process this? What was the aftermath like?
0: Yeah, you know, um, I'm, I've always been kind of stubborn. <laughs> so I, I was good for about maybe a month after that and just really took that experience with me. Um, but after a period of time, I just went back out into the world and started living life like I was for many years. I really didn't start leveling up in Christ again until almost three, about three years ago now, maybe a little over when I really made the decision to start um, you know, rededic leveling up and rededicating my life and uh walking in sacrifice. Don't follow your heart. Um, you know, Jeremiah 17 and 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But you always see people say, follow your heart, you know, social media and all that. No, don't follow your heart. Don't live your best life. Don't party like a rock star. Don't turn up. Don't do any of these things that the world does. Um, you know, they'll cost you. Sin in general will cost you something. Uh, Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, what is death? Death is separation from God. Um, and you know you you have a lot of people that uh kind of discount your your testimony and that's fine but um you know my purpose is just to wake people up to maybe just consider what could be after this um because really you know you you really don't know for a fact (laughs) i mean none of us absolutely does you know uh we we know in part that's right all the answers to this you know so I would just, uh, my advice would be to err on the side of wisdom. And if somebody's offering you, um, a sacrifice, you know, Jesus Christ is like a, a whole life pop life insurance policy. Good for this life and the
1: next. Steve, when you came out of this, you said it felt like you were just put back in your body. Is that right?
0: Yes. Yeah. And
1: yep. then did you share it with anybody? I know you called your mom, but how about would- anybody else?
0: Yeah. Yep. So I did have a roommate at the time and, uh, he woke up, uh, because I was loud enough for him to hear me. I was, like I said, I was, I was inconsolable. I was like, somebody died. That's how, that's how I was crying and was sobbing and weeping. Um, you know, this experience. And so, you know, I did share to him what happened and I, as much as I could at that time. And, he was not really a believer. This is this was a frat brother of mine, that, you know, that I used to be involved in fraternity and all that, which I'm not anymore, but at that time I was. And um, he he didn't really, uh, he couldn't understand it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, if I didn't completely understand what had just happened at that point in time, a hundred percent either. You know, I know it's difficult. I, I do, even even living, um, living a surrendered life is difficult. Like we discussed yesterday, I fight my flesh every day. Um, not a lot, but some days I lose. Um, just like any believer will tell you. Uh but I would say definitely shift your focus if you're if you have a, a lukewarm lifestyle. Um shift that focus a hundred percent to following Christ, however you you can get. And if the devil will not be happy, he was definitely not happy when I put my testimony uh on YouTube. It's like all hell broke loose on my for some reason he went after my finances Mm -hmm. Uh, pop up from nowhere uh you know a garnishment um (laughs) for a car that had been gone for almost 20 years you know just different things where you knew it was supernatural and so to live uh, as i'm sure you can agree when you make the decision to leave the world behind he satan will not be happy about that but uh it definitely will be more beneficial to you than the alternative
1: that's very true. Why don't you give us an example of some the ways the Lord's shown himself strong in your life?
0: Well, here recently, um, I was, like I said, I, I, I was struggling financially here recently and I was waiting on some breakthroughs to come through. Um, and it took a long, it took a long time, but here recently um, I, did, I received a couple very nice breakthroughs. One in particular, all of my student loans were for, forgiven, which I had no idea um that was even taking place and i they were a lot you know um so that that was one thing um and a couple health challenges that the lord has brought me through here recently as well so um you know we have more benefits with him than without him and that's what people need to understand you're kind of doing this alone if you don't if you if you don't have uh jesus um god does not coexist with sin so people do need to know if you you die in your your sin um whatever that is for you that will be your sacrifice to him and that motivate anybody to want to live right um but hey we all struggle like i said even even say you know the bible does say in revelation that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony so if you don't have either of those you're in trouble you really don't have a leg to stand on yeah um you know and i guess about the experience itself in retrospect hindsight being 2020 i'm glad that he he allowed me to see that i often wonder did i die that night but that's not what he told me when i came to so i kind of put that on you know i dismissed that Um, he actually just took me there he took me there i don't know if it was i i think i really my spirit actually went there based on the way i was just sucked completely out down um out of my body without any control over anything and then just smack dab in the middle of this this darkness that's alive that, that just penetrates you. Um, it's tormenting, mm. you know. Peace there. Your your thoughts are confusing. You can't formulate cohesive uh, thoughts. You know, um, it's just a terrible place. And even if that place is a softer uh, chamber or or version of hell, it's still absolutely horrific. And I wouldn't wish it on my my worst enemy. You know, it's, it's almost like it's a place that attacks your, your peace, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds also like what Bill Weiss describes, but I think he fell to the bottom of the pit, whereas you didn't fall into the pit.
0: Right. Most everybody that I see that has seen, experienced outer darkness described as a light, like way in the distance or something. And, so
1: is that fire? When you say the- light?
0: I thought it was fire because it was orange. Mine was orange. I saw orange.
1: Hmm. And you heard it felt it seemed like you saw people or felt people, but you didn't see or hear anything. It was just you, darkness, and confusion, basically.
0: Right. It's like you, when I when I say the other souls or people, it's like you share this um feeling with others, with this, this dreadful feeling with others around you. You know, it, it almost intensifies it, is what I'm trying to say. This, this walk is basically about, and you can edit this part if you want, but this is how I feel personally that, you know, about a confession and that's it. You can basically go back out into a life of full wanton sin mm. and for one heck of a surprise if they think that this walk is about standing up in church and making a confession and going back out into the world.
1: Yeah, and that's why I wanted to kind of touch on that lukewarmness because I think a lot of people think I could just, right before I die, I just say, help me, Jesus. And and he wants to help you.
0: That's right. And people, you know, they they bring up the thief on the cross. And, and I do understand that analogy, but we don't know what the thief, what was in the thief's heart either. We don't know if he ever witnessed Jesus preaching on the street in Jerusalem. We don't know what was going on with the thief. And so to draw that as a defining moment for someone to uh, use is not, it, it won't stand up, I don't think. It would be nice, but you know, I, it would kind of, um, I don't know. The finished work of the cross won't be discounted by human beings in any way. So I just feel like for me that it's much more about a lifestyle than a confession. Now, confession is part of it, but it's just the start of a much greater work that has to take place inside of a person through the course of many years.
1: That's so true. I mean, it does take, there's that cleansing process that we all go through and that's what you're referring to, right?
0: Man, yeah. Yeah. That's right,
1: and I think too, it, it's like the Lord sees our hearts, and so yep. you know, man judges the outward appearance, and so like you were talking about, He sees the heart, and right. He knows what's in your heart. If it's real, there's yeah. people that say they're Christian, but what's in their heart? There's people that have a heart that we would never think would love Jesus, so we just can't judge.
0: That's so true. You know, I I, I did fight sharing this testimony. Mm. Yeah, God started impressing upon my heart that he wanted me to share this testimony finally. And I couldn't figure out why all, after all these years this was coming up, but it didn't. he didn't start bringing it back up, you know, really vividly and clear in my mind until I made the decision to walk away from the world. And I'm telling you, Julie, every day I try to ignore it. And it's like, I don't know if you, you or your husband has ever experienced this, but when God is telling you to do, he's, he's, nudge, he's literally nudging you and i had no peace so when i shared this testimony on youtube a couple i think it's going on two years now um it just felt like felt like the holy spirit just poured all over me after i shared this and that and i know that um now that that is what he wanted me to do he wanted me to share this because i questioned it you know i'm a fiercely private person um and nobody likes to be beholden to a bunch of hateful comments or doubts or people saying you're doing this for the money my channels i don't even have enough videos for my channel to be monetized so anytime i put a video out on my channel it is because the holy spirit told me to do it and that was the case with this hell outer darkness testimony
1: wow i appreciate that and i think it's it's such a good point that it's about our obedience, and again, going back to our hearts. So, thank you for your obedience to the Holy Spirit, and I know He's proud of you, and you're 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 blessed in in spiritual ways, and then always you are blessed, Steve. Thank you, Julie. So, so, Steve, for our viewers out there, what would be the biggest takeaway or lesson from this supernatural experience of actually seeing outer darkness?
0: Uh, I think I would piggyback off what I said earlier, kind of. Um, don't follow your heart in many most cases uh follow what god is telling you through prayer and that's it um hell is real um if you believe heaven is real believe hell is real because it is real and uh that's really it that's basically it
1: thank you would you share a prayer with us and just kind of lead us out in a prayer today
0: sure yep our heads Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your, your presence. Father God, I ask that you open the hearts and the minds of the viewers watching this, Lord. Lord, that you lead them into salvation, Lord, however that looks for them, Lord.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Lord, also um, impress upon their spirits, Lord, that there is something after this, Lord. And Lord, we know 100%, Lord, but we know we can place our trust in you, Lord. And we can have a a confidence about a an eternal uh, safety net for us, Lord, for those that believe in you and live a life according to obedience, Lord, according to your word, my God. Lord, I just ask right now that you bless the hearts and minds of all the viewers that that watch this, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray.
1: Amen. Amen.